when I was thinking about uh, what to speak on, I was thinking about what Steve talked about last week. I was thinking about particularly that verse in, uh, in Matthew. Let me really refer to it again. I wrote it down. Uh, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, uh, because of the lawlessness that is increasing, the love of many will grow cold. I thought about that a lot. I thought about this all week. Um, and when I, th- I, I had other, I've known about this date of speaking for a while, and I've had different thoughts come in and out of my head about what I'd like to talk about or what would be. Uh, best, but that particular verse kind of got me this week. Um, We definitely live in a period where it does appear that lawlessness is more and more rampant. As Steve has talked about many times, that 80s, 70s and 80s culture where being a church-going Christian was was the good thing to be, is not anymore. We are that that period is leaving us. Now, whether you view that, whether however we view that through whatever lens we view that, and I don't know. Because sometimes, because listen, God, uh, just read through the Bible. God allowed people to allowed His people to live through times of tribulation uh, in order to maybe distill His remnant. I mean, I rem- somebody will get me. I'm going to quote this off the top of my head, and it might be wrong, but I don't think it is. Of all the Israelites that left Egypt that spent 40 years in the desert, how many went into the Promised Land? Two? Two, right, of the original? That's, uh, that's a remnant. <laughs> that's a distilling of his, of his people. And so I don't, believe that God, I don't believe that God doesn't use times like this um, I, I do not believe that God is not in control, and I believe He uses times like this for our benefit. Now, we may not see that immediately. We may not understand how it benefits us, but I know that God is for us always, even if culture doesn't. You know, And it's a struggle. I'm not saying it's not. I, I don't know, and maybe I'll admit something that others don't, but I mean, I have struggles with the, I have struggles with the ideas that are, you know, and the cultural. I see it. And here I am. I and I try. I dedicate myself. But if I were, if I'm telling you that I, if I'm telling you that I don't struggle with uh, uh, culture and create, you know, uh, the culture of church on the on the down on the on the downslope and and and, and Christianity. If I tell you that I don't struggle with those thoughts, I'd be lying to you. But there are things that keep me keep us grounded, right? And that's what I want to talk about. How do we prevent the, our love from going cold? How do we prevent this thing? And Steve talked about it in great depth last week about us as fathers being as fire starters. And that that kind of thinking continued this week for me. And so, um, in, true my, in, in my true fashion, we'll be looking in Second Chronicles today. Because I like Old Testament stuff. Um, 
to see the Old Testament has, has nothing for us or I rem, I've known people like that. Well, that's you know that's the old dispensation, but I mean this is God's word breathed and shown to us, and I am a I've, I, ever since I first started in Christianity I've been a I've always liked the the minor prophets. I've always enjoyed reading the Old Testament. So it always comes to my mind. So we're going to be in in Chronicles. And before we uh, start with who we're talking about, I I wanted to say that that we tend to have an idea that the problems that we have in our culture are the worst at the time, are the worst. And they they may be the worst that we've ever dealt with. But that doesn't mean that other times in God's in the history of God's people that they haven't dealt with hard times. I would hazard a guess that God's people have dealt with much harder times than we've ever dealt with. Even now, in specific areas of this of our globe in certain countries, God's people live in a much harder time than we live in. And so while I don't deny the fact that we should be mindful of the times and be prayerful of what we're dealing with, I also want us to realize that we are still very, very blessed and uh, not, to be, not to be so taken by the problems that we don't live in the joy of Him. So I want to talk about a time in Chronicles, and we're going to go to chapter 34. And we're going to talk about a king, and his name is Josiah. Josiah... As a, one of the kings of uh, of the separated kings of Israel, uh, his name is his name means specifically healed by Yahweh. He's a sixteenth king, Josiah. During his time, uh, God's people had fallen way away. So we could start with his grandfather. His grandfather's name was Manasseh. He was King Manasseh, and King Manasseh is known for not being a good king. He did wicked in the ways of the Lord. He instituted idol worship all over the kingdom. Um, He left the ways of God. He left the ways of David. Even though he was on the line of David, he left the ways of David. Um, the, The Talmudic tradition says that he burned the book of Torah. He burned the Torah. And that the altar in the temple was so disused during his reign that there were spider webs all over it. That's the tradition that is read. The temple was not being used for God's glory. Designed for God's glory, not being used for God's glory. There's probably a lesson in there in the fact that your body is a temple and and and, and we're individual temples holding of God and we you know we're designed for his glory. There is a lesson there, but we're not talking about that. We're just talking about the fact that Manasseh was not good. He was not following God. And as a result, God's people were not following God. They followed the king. And if the king says, oh, by the way, we're going to erect these uh, Sarah poles and we're going to have altars to different gods here. And and. Traditions, or uh, I think it's in Kings that say it's that he was involved in the cult that sacrificed children to Moloch. Manasseh. And he reigned for so many years. It was a pretty decent reign. 
I wish I'd written down the years, but I didn't. And then his father, or uh, his son, Josiah's father, was named Ammon. He reigned for two years, uh, and it was the same. It was idol worship. It was uh, non-godly living. It was sinful. It was everything that God's people were not to be. So this is the state of the kingdom when Josiah becomes king. Josiah becomes king at the ripe age of eight. Eight years old. So let's start in 1 Chronicles 34. We'll start at 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. Look at verse 2. He did right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or the left. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. Seek. And I think that's the first lesson that we learn here from Josiah. Now, we'll find out later that it's not like he, he wasn't really privy to the book of law. We'll find out why. And yet he knew about the God of David and he sought him. The lesson in that, in that moment of Josiah's life is that God will help and be revealed to seekers. Those who look for him. They don't under, we don't understand God always. We don't understand God at all when we first seek him. I firmly believe that. We have a sketch. We have an idea. We're looking at salvation. We're thinking about our sin. Do we understand what it is to be a follower of God? No. Not really. We think we do. We learn as part of his kingdom. We learn from, I mean, how many of you that were, that be, were saved a long time ago have new and better wisdom as part of your salvation plan? Of course you do. You've just grown in him and in his wisdom and in his love and in his mercy. And Josiah did the same. Even without the the uh, uh, scriptures, the book of the law at the moment. He's still seeking God. And God finding him. God, God reminds us in his scripture that we, if you seek, he will be found. And so the beginning of this kind of wisdom of how we live our lives in a way that our love doesn't grow cold, is that we are constantly seeking Him. That we are constantly looking for God in our lives. That we are constantly looking and seeking His way and trying to find where He is leading us. Because it is important, not important, I don't even like that word. Sometimes I, look, sometimes I type that in Google and be like, important scriptures on this. And like, it's hard to fathom it's hard to fathom how weak the word important is if we talk about our relationship to his word. Well, it's important. Well, so is taking a vitamin. You know, and if you're, if you're trying to equate the importance of either, of the, it's life. Life. That's what it's supposed to mean to us. I think that we sometimes look at, as our, at our Christianity as a, our lives are the bookshelf and our Christianity is the book that we put on the top shelf. But it is not the shelf. But in truly reality, it is the shelf. 
It is all. That's the way God intended us to live. Do we want to live that way? Yes. Do we struggle living that way? Yes. How do we get over the, how do we get past some of those problems and obstacles and struggles living that way? We seek him. We seek him. Josiah sought him. So let's go on. Verse, uh, oh yeah. In his, uh, in his 12th year, so four years after he starts seeking God, God is finding him and God is instructing him in the way that God instructs us while we're, while we're seeking him. He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, the places for idol worship. Uh, Asherah poles carved idols and cast images. Under his direction, the altars of the bales were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense altars that were above them and smashed the Asherah poles, the idols, and the images. Um, Kings even goes into a greater depth of how much work that he went through in these towns to cut out these altars, to remove the 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 to remove the places where idol worship happened. Any place that took precedent over Yahweh in their life was removed. It can it and it started through seeking. But it's important for us to think about that. Do I have, you know, do I have in my backyard in a sheriff pole? No. Do I have a wooden idol on uh, my desk at work that I make my praises to? No. I do not. Do I live uh, an idolatrous life sometimes? Yes. Generally, the idol is the mirror because I see myself and think about how, you know, how I either need to, whatever I need to do. But it's a me. And sometimes it's our job. Steve, Steve brings that up a lot, and I, 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 I understand that. Sometimes it's our love for a, a pastime. I, I've known people who put so much of their time in their pastimes that they have no time for anything else. You think that's not idol worship? Because you're defining yourself by uh, by this pastime. Glenn and I and Dan played uh, pickleball Thursday, which is fun, but we're we don't say uh, well we're pickleballers first, Christians second. I, at least I hope not. I, if I am, I'm the uh, I'm I'm no good. I'm having some struggles in my religion of pickleball. But uh, I know people who do that. I've known people who do that. I am not, and I don't say that to say like, I don't, I do, I know, I know my idols. I know that my idols are generally myself. All of them come down to ourselves, right? Even the idols that they're worshiping come down to themselves, whatever makes themselves feel good, whatever makes themselves feel how they're seeking to be felt. But it's very important to realize that he went through, he didn't just say, Josiah didn't just say, okay, um, Homer, I don't want you to do that again. He took down the thing that Homer did, that used to do it, and he got rid of it. He got rid of that obstacle, as Paul says. We put away these obstacles. He got rid of them. 
What are the obstacles in our lives that are keeping us from a God-centered life? Seek them out. Seek God out. He will reveal them. Get rid of them. It's not easy. It takes time. It took him four years of seeking just to get to the point where he realized that those idol poles and altars needed to be removed. And if you read in, uh, in the second Kings verse, or what chapter? 22 and 3. If you read his, Josiah's um, story in Corinthians, or account rather, and second Kings, second Corinthians, second Chronicles and second Kings, you'll read more detail about how he took the, the bones of, a, of an idol worshiping leader and <laughs> desecrated them. He wanted his country to be rid of it. He wanted his kingdom to be rid of it and to be back in God's, be always God-centered. And he took that action. It's one thing for us to say, God, I know I need to get better on that. It's another thing to be active in it. It's another thing to be active in. It's one of my favorite, it, and we talked about this. Look, I'll go back to uh, one of my favorite books of the uh, New Testament, my favorite letters of Philippians, and we know that God begins a work in us and sees it through to completion. So God begins this work in us, just as he began in Josiah, and he sees it through to completion. And it's this long process, it is not immediate. Our justification is immediate. Our sanctification is a long, long, long process. But he encourages us in uh, Philippians to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in us. He encourages us to be involved actively in the gift that God has given us. Salvation. He encourages you and me to do that. To build on what God is doing in our lives, and to see how far He takes that. To see how far He will go with that. And it's amazing what happens in our lives when we start dedicating ourselves to His moment, His movement and his, in our lives and his, and his disciplines. I found, myself, I found myself in the last month um, dealing with a, a problem with a, a family member like a, a close family member was having problems, and they were from outside sources. And I found myself absolutely meditating on pure negativity. Absolutely. I was spending time thinking about how I would, you know, what I would like to do to these outside influences. And, and I would find myself going to work and having conversations in my head and gritting my teeth and coming into the office angered because I was meditating on this negative energy. I'm not to sound too new aging, but I mean, I am just taking the negative thoughts that Paul told me to take hold of. I wasn't taking hold of them. I was giving them a fertile ground to grow in. Not surprisingly, a lot of the rest of my Christian uh, uh, witness kind of fell to the side as well because I was sitting here constantly spinning in my head how mad I was over something. I, this, is just, this is just my testimony. I've got a new testimony to tell you. So over the last 
period of time over the last month or more. God, God, God told me, and I'm not saying in words, but I, I understood what God was showing me. When you start to meditate on this negativity, start praying. This was the lesson. And you should pray positively towards those negative influences. I did not want to do that. You know, if Ashley is the source of, you know, Ashley is the enemy here, and she's the source of my misery, and she's trying to ruin me, I'm supposed to be praying blessings on her. That's scriptural. I didn't like it. Not one, you know, I really didn't. Matter of fact, the first prayers in those of God were like, and God bless this, even though, you know, I know what you said, bless it. And it was like I had to choke it through a little bit when I first started doing it. But God took that negative meditation that I was on and He turned it. He legitimately turned it. I, I could witness to several things in the last month that have shown His legitimate turning of those things. About how He has listened to my prayer and the five or six times a day that I started to do this guy. I started, okay, Father in Heaven, I want to thank You for this day. And uh, the next thing you know, there was a peace. And it wasn't just a peace like, well, God's giving you peace while the world is... No. Things were changing. And not even that thing, but also the other thing I've been praying for that hadn't been changing, it was changing too. And it was unrelated. If I'm praying for a family member to, to be... You know, I'm praying for God to send emissaries and send uh, uh, to send His Word to people in my life so that they will be reminded of who He is. And all of a sudden, they start talking about it. I can only attribute that to the fact that I was no longer meditating on negativity, but I was meditating on God and through prayer. It's real. <laughs> I'm not just saying that just to get you to pray more. And you know what I've done since then? I kind of slowed down my praying because I'm not negative anymore. That was smart. This is God telling me to, you know. I, I wish I wasn't so dumb. I wish I wasn't so stubborn and, 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 and uh, I wish it didn't take me so long to be, to understand things. Even though he shows me all the time. Sometimes he shows me in spite of myself, like he'll say, he'll, like somebody will come up to me. This happened many years ago, and this young girl that was in our youth group came up to me and told me something that was uh, not godly. And uh, I didn't... Uh, this is a long time ago, so I feel all right. I, didn't, I, I don't feel all right about it, but you don't know this person, so I feel all right. I didn't pray about it. I just went on my merry way. And she came to me two weeks later and said, have you been praying for me? And God just did that to say, uh, you haven't, and I still did it. Now, that was not a lesson. And I, you know what I didn't take from that lesson? Well, God's work's going to be done no matter what I do. No, I took that lesson as a shame. Because he was shaming me to say, why weren't you part of what I'm doing right now? Listen, God speaks to us when we seek him. If that lesson's not clear, I've just given you my little testimony. I guarantee you if I asked other people to come up and give testimonies about how God spoke to them, 
you'd be hearing a lot. When we make effort in his direction, he is making effort in our direction. As we grow closer to him, as we tune more in in our lives to him, he is broadcasting through us. Other people see it too. Specifically. Do you think that other people, do you think that Josiah removed these Sarah poles and altars in his land just because it was for him? No, it was because it was for the whole of the land. It was for everyone, all of the kingdom. Okay. Remove the idols in your life. Let's go on. So let's go to verse 8. Ten years after he takes the throne, four years after his seeking it from 8 to 12, he starts removing the idols in the land. And let's go on to verse 8. 18th year, so 10 years of Josiah's reign to purify the land and the temple. Mm -mm -mm. Oh, no. I'm sorry, I want to skip it. Well, I don't want to get into the details, but the, uh, he, he's dedicating, now that he's removed the altars, he's dedicating to rebuild the temple. So let's skip ahead. I apologize to verse 14. While they were bringing out the money, and this was money that was to be paid to the people who were building the temple. While they were bringing out the money that had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. Hilkiah said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord, and he gave it to Shaphan. Uh, and then Sphan took it to the king, took the book to the king, and reported to him, "Your officials are doing everything that has been committed to them. They paid out the money in the temple of the Lord, have entrusted it to the supervisor workers." Then he informed the king, "Hilkiah the priest has given me a book," and he read it from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the Lord, he tore his robes. Now. I want to I, I, I want to uh, draw a good conclusion here, or uh, I want to draw a strong conclusion here. That they had fallen so far from God's worship that they had lost the book of the law. They lost it. I can't imagine it really, because you know I, there can't be that many rooms in the temple, right? I don't know. Maybe there are a lot, and it was hidden like in a mystery place or something. But they lost the book of the law. The people uh, from Manasseh's reign on, they were not following it and had lost it. Matter of fact, when Josiah heard it, he tore his robes, which is a Jewish sign of uh, what? Sadness, you know, death. Because he could not believe that the word of the law had been missing. And he had, that's a, like the, that's probably the first time he's heard it. That's the first time he's heard it. It's amazing to me. I can't fathom that, that God's people would lose the book of the law that came through Moses, but yeah, they did. They did. And so let's read on. In verse 29. 
Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, all the people from the least to the greatest. So there's a big crowd gathered. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple. The king stood by his pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, regulations, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul and to obey the words of the covenant written in this book. Then he had everyone in Jerusalem and Benjamin pledge themselves to it. The people of Jerusalem did this in accordance with the covenant of God and God their fathers. And as you read on, he did more removing of idols. Um, I don't know how I, I don't know how long it would take to read through the book of the law, but they all stood in the presence while he did it. He didn't say, well, no, I was gonna say, I had a funny line, but it's he didn't say, here's your one year Bible plan to read the book of the law. <laughs> he he read it in their presence. He they shared the experience of taking the book of the law and reading it. And it brings me to the last idea. You know, we came to the idea of seeking him and we come to the idea of removing the obstacles and now we come to the idea of the honoring of the word. Right? Paul tells us in Timothy that uh, that uh, all the word is God-breathed for instruction and teaching. We know that it is alive and like a two-edged sword that cuts. We know we, there are many, 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 many scriptures. We know that uh, Isaiah, the grass falls, but the word of the Lord lives forever, right? And he continues his work after he reads the Lord, after they renew their covenant. What I get from this, or what I want us to get from this, is the importance on scripture. There's that stupid word again, importance. How about the sustenance of scripture? I think of it this way. Uh, I remember when I was a young uh, Church of Christ member, we didn't, Church of Christ is kind of, we're, we're a peculiar breed if you know us, but uh, we were. But I remember reading about, I remember reading about fasting. And the first time I ever fasted was in, I was in my 20s. And I was thinking, okay, well, this is all over the Scripture. I ought to try this. I ought to try this. And I did. And, whoa. Uh, I, I've never, you know, I've never been as hungry. I never felt the, the desire of hunger like that before. Um, every commercial, every commercial in the world was some kind of food with a really good sauce. And, I mean, just, I mean, everyone. And I'm drinking a chicken broth dedicated to the Lord. And the Hardee's commercial's on with a big burger and everything's falling all over everything. Um, believe me, when you start getting... And I wasn't hungry in the, in the sense of hungry. I mean, I've never been thin. So it's not like going a day of fasting was really that big of a deal to my uh, body's health. But it hit me how hard and how uh, ever-present that desire was to eat. And it hit me how lack of present 
my body's desire or my soul's desire was for this. And that was the lesson that I believe that God was trying to show me through that first time of fasting is that as food is to the body and the removal of food is to remind you of how much you want it, this should be to our soul. This, because it is our sustenance, it is our daily bread. It is the what it is God's word spoken to us. And I realized how little I lacked for it, even though I wasn't. And that's not because I was studying it constantly. I've been on a fast from the scripture for a long, long time. And it made me stand up and take notice of my, of my lack of dedication to Scripture and my lack of dedication to sharing it with others. And I mean just amongst ourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ. And that I can share a Scripture with Homer and Homer shares one with me and oh, I never thought of it that way and he never thought of it that way and that's why we... Uh, uh, know each other and build up in each other through his reading and through the, through the reading of his word, scripture, and how important that is. Important, I'll say that word again. How sustaining and how of everything it is to the Christian. How we will be, how this word will sustain us to keep us, to keep our love from going cold. These are the word, this is the lesson of Josiah. This is the lesson I want us to take today. This is what I want us to hear. That we need to be people of His Word. That we need to be dedicated to His Word. When God told His followers to go and make disciples, He meant us. And we are disciples. And discipling, the word disciple is based on discipline. Right? And we are never not to be disciples, always learning and growing in the disciplines. Read the Bible every day and pray, pray, and you'll grow, 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 as Pastor Steve likes to say. But those are truths. I, I shared the testimony of the prayer. I've started praying four or five times a day to get rid of this negative meditation. I went, and all of a sudden I started seeing things that. And I can't even I can't deny the fact that maybe I didn't see new things that God was doing. It was just that my eyes were opening to the things that God was doing. And I'd become more receptive to what he was doing. You don't think that the discipline of being in his word will do the won't do the same? It, it will exactly do the same. To be a people of his word. That's the lesson of Josiah. And Jos and because Josiah was so dedicated to it and he lived uh, for, um, I think his reign was 30-some years, and he was buried by his ancestors. God held his wrath from his people during his reign because he was an honorable, godly man who led the people back to Yahweh. Now, that didn't stop them from going into Babylonian captivity years, some years later. But Josiah was an honorable man. If we want to change the tide of our lives, if we want to change the tide of this church, and this community, it starts with 
simple seeking and prayer and word and removal of obstacles. Which brings me to the final point that I wanted to say. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Steve talked about, he mentioned as a side in his sermon, he talked about Sunday school. I don't know if everybody heard this. Uh, uh, let me take a drink real quick. You might not have been here. So let's talk about it. We, as the leaders of uh, Celebration Church that meets here in Huntington, are planning on, I don't want to say are planning on, we are going to be instituting Sunday school here. Not just for kids, adults as well. Now, I wanted to say, I, I asked Pastor Steve if it was okay if I, I talked about this. Um, like, I, I, sometimes we're not very good at getting the word out about things at our church. Uh, and I just wanted to take at least this moment, and I know it's summer and not everybody's here, so we're going to be talking about this more. But come September, we will be instituting Sunday school that starts before worship. Now that is a big change. That's a sea change, as they say. And not everybody in our uh, community is uh, is early a riser. Maybe is some. And and here's what I'm trying to say. What is the value of Sunday school? I grew up with it. Uh, I, I can't remember if Steve grew up with it or not, um, but a lot of us probably did. We grew up with it. A lot of us still remember the words and the songs that we learned in it. I was reading, you know, I was, I was reading scriptures on the Word, and one of the ones from Psalm that I didn't read was, uh, or that I forgot to quote was, uh, Thy word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. We sang that. That was a song that I used to sing when I was a kid. Thy word is a light unto my feet. Okay, we sang that kind of stuff. And I still remember that. I remember the way it went. I remember the old hymns, you know, when we, a couple weeks ago, when we did uh, When the Roll. That was something I learned when I was a kid. I haven't heard, I haven't really, we haven't really sang that song in my life for years. But it's not like it was hard to figure out because I knew it. Those kind of things that we instill in each other in our, in our traditions and in our, in our disciplines, our dedication to our disciplines, those things are important. And if we want to make our kingdom, uh, just our families, just our lives, if we want to make a difference, we dedicate ourselves to those disciplines. Sunday school is a way that we dedicate ourselves to these disciplines. I don't... I, we could change the word to Bible study if Sunday school sounds too young, but it doesn't really matter. What we want to do is start meeting earlier as a group, and our kids will go to their classes, and we will meet together as adults. And there's still some things to be worked out, like we're going to work out whether Banded still meets as its own class, but that doesn't matter. What we need are you. What we need is everyone. Um... And in these Sunday school classes, we will be a people of the Word. Are you, I guarantee you that you dedicate yourself more to His Word 
you did, you know, Pastor Steve talks about the fact that, you know, we go through the whole week and we, we have this hour and a half window on every Sunday to, to uh, affect, you know, or uh, to build each other up. I'm a big proponent of that. God put us in this family for a reason. When I think of communion, I think of God, I think of Seth and Trevor and Ashley and Jan. I think of the people that God has put in our lives through His sacrifice, that we are all connected through His blood in our lives, that I have brothers and sisters that are there for me and I for them, or at least it should be. And, and I don't, I'm not trying to come off heavy-handed because it can be. Uh, I'm trying to come off... I, I, I want you to know that it's not because I think that we... Uh, I want. It's not a punishment. It's not a, well, we, now we'll have the list of who's good here and who's not. What we're wanting to do is build each other up and be more connected. Do you think that we would be more connected if we have more than the five minutes after service before people leave? Yes. Do you think that Bible study supports that? Yes. Uh, the fact that um, the fact that I can remember my Sunday school teacher from my fourth and fifth grade year even now, it had an effect. It will have an effect on us now. I guarantee you it will. I promise you, if we are dedicated to setting our alarms earlier, I can say I know that's not easy. I'm not trying, I, I, you know, I understand that. Believe me, I set an alarm on Saturday just so I don't sleep in all day because I know how I can be. You know those people that are like, I get up at 6 a.m. no matter what, that's just my pattern. <laughs> I'm like, who are you? I don't. You know, if somebody says, hey, let's get together Saturday at 8.30 and play golf, I'm like, Oh, I'll do it, but um, it's just not me, okay? But, but we need to dedicate ourselves to this. I implore us to dedicate ourselves to this. I implore each of you to be praying about this. The children and the adults are going to be learning about the same things at the same time so your families can talk about the same things at the same time. Building one another up. How do I know, uh, how would I know, I keep looking at this thing, how would I know Bobby's burns if I didn't speak to Bobby and have an opportunity for him to speak to me? Sunday school breeds that. It breeds connection with each other. It breeds connection through his word and through the love we have for each other. How do you build love for one another? You spend more time in people's presence. Sunday school is part of that. It is. It's going to be a massive change to how we do things. I'd like to say it, 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 it will. For one, it's just going to start early. Uh, and that is, like I say, that's, that's just one of the changes. But what I, want, what I want out of it, and what Pastor Steve wants out of it, and what we as elders want out of it is that opportunity to grow 
tighter with each other and tighter in his word. I've always viewed it that way in my mind. The blessings of God or the, the promise of connection with God is this way and that way. Even in our songs, you know, the first songs that they sing were just teaching Scripture to one another with a tune. We're, 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 we're teaching one another. We're edifying one another. We're building one another up. And Sunday's Bible study gives us the opportunity to share. I, you're not, you know, it's not a sermon where I'm just standing here speaking and you're just looking at me, either shaking your head or nodding, and I'm going, okay, I'm off or I'm on. It is a shared moment. A shared moment of, of being in His Word and learning and seeking Him and him, him showing us the obstacles that are in our lives to be removed in praise of, of Bible study and Sunday school. We add a little bit of extra time to our morning on Sunday. We add an infinite amount of blessing to our lives from it. I believe it wholeheartedly. And it's going to happen. But let me just say this. If we do not commit to it, and I mean we, people here and, the, and people that are on vacation that will hear this, if we do not commit to it, um, it will fall. Now, does that mean that we're going to come in on the first Sunday and go, well, there's not as many people here, and we're just going to quit? No. But I, you know how ministries go. You've been in churches long enough to know how a ministry goes, and if a ministry starts dwindling down to nothing, people just lose uh, uh, interest. People lose interest. It is up to you and me and each other to uh, work, to work together to build that, build that community to where it's not, it, at first it's going to be something like, okay, the church is doing this, I need to do it. I promise you, at first it will be. Okay, everybody, up. we need to do this. If we allow it to happen in our lives, it will become something that is like, okay, I got to be there. I want to be there. And, uh, you know, God bless us. We, we and I'm not, not just saying us, Christianity as a whole, it, 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 we're, not a, we're no longer a culture that really devotes a, a, as much time as we used to to His Word. Okay. Ha-ha. Let's just think of that. We're no longer a culture that seems to devote as much time to each other in His Word because we're always busy with these other things in our lives, right? Everybody can say that, right? Correct? And what are we seeing of culture? I wonder if they're connected. It's possible. I'd say probable. I'd say when we walk away from our uh, uh, commitment to connecting with one another and Him in group settings, where we build one another up in group settings, that his, his glory, his love, his tenderness and mercy is, are reflected through us. And that draws people. I promise if we reach out to him in these disciplined ways that he will reach out and he will make a difference. Let me say this. Is just a little anecdote. Like a lot of people will say to me, because I play guitar, as people will come up, I've 
talk to some of you, and you'll say, yeah, I really, I really want to learn guitar. And, you know, you want to learn it on your own. I can tell you right now, if you're trying to learn guitar on your own, it's a hard exercise. Because you're just not sharing it with somebody. And you have no... The way I learned guitar is I had a friend who had it, and we just sat around with guitars strapped on. And sometimes we didn't play at all, we just talked. But sometimes we played, and the next thing you know, it started to click. But if you're sitting, especially at my, now, you know, if I was 16, I had an electric guitar just in my room, maybe. But at our age, I'm, the, the fact that we're made to be in community works in this. If we want to learn from his word, if we want to dedicate ourselves to each other, being together in his word and in his presence is how it happens. I'm not denigrating the solo prayer because most of my prayers, and I'm not denigrating getting into his word on your own, but I am saying that getting into his word together is sweeter. Is even, even sweeter. Because we share with one another. Homer's got insight that I don't have. I got insight that he doesn't have. Leanne the same. Chris the same. Blessing and love grows from this. Okay, I've repeated the same words 20 times, so I think I'm done. But I hope you get the, I hope you get, I hope you hear what I consider uh, the urgency and the importance of Bible study. Sunday school. Schedules will be coming out, you know, later in the summer. But I can tell you right now, I think, I'll just tell you, it starts at 9.30. That's a whole hour ahead of what we normally start. That's going to be a change. Big, especially to mamas with kids. You know, I mean, I know that I don't have young kids anymore, but I do recall what it was like to get people dressed. It was, it's hard to wrangle people up. It's hard. But it's worth it. This is what I want us to commit to each other. And and I and you remember when uh, you remember when it was uh, <laughs> you remember when we were doing the 20th anniversary of uh, Pastor Steve uh, Pastor Appreciation and I kept emailing you like every week going, "Hey, we still need that." Sometimes I view myself, I think I could be a good prodder. So maybe that's going to be my email on Monday is a prodding email that says, remember, September. But I know how I can fall away too. I really do. One of the blessings of my life is that I grew up in a church where we went to Sunday school and Wednesday night Bible study and Sunday night, you know, Sunday morning worship and sermon wasn't enough. Let's go again Sunday night. And you're like, oh, I was playing outside. Oh, and guess what? This week is revival week. Every night. We don't have those anymore. And then we wonder why the culture is maybe not with us. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's too hard to make these connections. We've, we, we've tailored, I've got till noon, right? I've got like six more minutes. I promised I was going to let everybody go, so the most memorable thing in my lesson is that you get out early. But no, I've got no, I got no 
I got wind. Um, now I forgot what I was going to say. I really did. It just, it, it's going to mean a lot to, to all of us. It's going to mean a lot to you if you commit to it. Right? I'm not saying that I'm like, okay, I, you know, I'm hoping that by doing this and talking about this now and continuing to talk about it, uh, you know, we're not. I don't want you to wait until it feels right for you. Because believe me, when you first, when we first start getting here an hour early, it's not going to feel right. Because we don't get here till 10.30 and past. We have to go past the feel right part of it to the, okay, this is what we are doing. And then it will feel right. But it's going to take a while. You ever diet? I do. A lot. And sometimes, like, it's like, uh, uh, you know, sometimes I, like, so struggle because it doesn't feel right. And then eventually those practices start to feel right. You think that Christianity is different than, say, okay, let me choose my words carefully. Christianity is life and it is different. But do you think that being a disciple of Christianity is different than being a guitar player? It really isn't. It's about practice and instituting those habits Except this time, the habits aren't that I make a D chord without messing up. It's that I learn about God's Word. It, 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 it's bigger. And I, I take it in. It's bigger. Now I'll stop. I promise that I'll quit talking about it. But it's very important. And it's something that we are, are asking your dedication to and your commitment to, and your belief in, your prayer for it now, starting now to the end of summer, be praying for this. Be praying for these moves that God is making in our, in our lives. It's not like Steve woke up one day and said, hey, you know, it'd be fun, let's start Sunday school. He's been thinking about it for a long time because God put it on his heart for a long time, and then, he's, then we've been talking about it for a while. And eventually it's got to go, and we're going to go. And... I will be praying that all the faces I see right now will be there. Other people will teach. You'll get to hear other people's words and, and, and you'll get to connect with other people. Yay! Being out, bring out an old flannel graph if you even know what that is. I do. You know, a musty smell, like an old old church room that has saw floods a couple times, and you're like, why does it always smell funny in here, teacher? Well, hang on, let's bring out the flannel. There's Moses, and here's the sea. I remember that because it meant something, because I was a kid, and it stuck. The same thing still happens. It will stick. When I taught the young adult class at a church many, you know, when I was in 2000 and 2001 and 2003, I remember those lessons. And I, I remember reaching out to one of, the, one of the students that now is a mother with kids, and we were reminiscing forever on Facebook about it because it struck chords. It makes you remember things about the way God moves in your lives. In praise of Sunday. 
Okay? All right, now I'm done. Two minutes ahead. Hey, Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessings of this day. We thank you for teaching us how to be disciples. We thank you for showing us your love and discipleship. Father, we pray that the lessons of Josiah, that the seeking and the removing of obstacles and the dedication to your word, we pray that those lessons stick in our lives. Father, we pray that as we come upon a season where we are changing things in this, in our congregation, that those changes will stick in our lives and that you will show yourself present and strong in our lives, Father. We pray that people see and people dedicate, Father, that we dedicate ourselves to you, that we renew, that we dedicate ourselves to the renewing of our minds through your word and the study of it together. Father, I'm thankful for these things. I'm prayerful for these things. I pray your blessings over all of this congregation, those who are traveling, those who are here. I thank you in your son's name. Amen. Everybody get up now. <laughs>